everybody. Welcome back to We Are Live. We're live in St. Louis at Midcoast Studio in Grand Center. Travis Strell's in New York. Chris Gardner's here. And we're joined by Robert Cohen, photojournalist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Great to see you, sir. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure watching your work through the years and uh, very excited to have you in here. We have, uh, we have somebody with uh, high regard, Travis. He's got serious credentials. Uh, I don't know if you know uh, a friend of ours by the name of Pulitzer. Uh, he's also a friend of Robert's. So, Robert <laughs> from the Post-Dispatch, great to see you, sir. Thanks for having me. It's Absolutely. Great to be here. Yeah, we're looking through some of your work here, um, just jumping right into the iconic work that you've done. Uh, Ferguson has been covered, weather throughout the Midwest. I, I can't imagine some of the moments not being as big as they were without your photos. So, congrats to you and great work. I just wanted to get that out of the way right off the bat. Thank you. I mean, our, our staff, our newsroom was, uh, this was our story. This is our local story. And then, you know, it garnered national worldwide, worldwide attention, but it was, you know, it was the best of community journalism. Absolutely. Uh, Travis Rell joining in Brooklyn. Travis, I know you've uh, seen some of the iconic photos that uh, Mr. Cohen has provided. Wanted to toss it over to you to uh, to really get a feel for the one photo that uh, that's a huge huge iconic moment from the Ferguson uh, I guess um, issues that we had here in St. Louis and it's uh, the gentleman in the American flag T-shirt in a bag of red hot ripplets in his hand throwing uh, what was uh, I guess a, was that a smoke bomb I guess from the police or, or what would you call the it was a tear gas canister. tear gas canister. Travis, I wanted to toss it to you, sir. Uh, Robert, Robert, what are what was what was what are some of your objectives when you go out to cover a story as a photojournalist? I mean, something like we see here during the Ferguson protests, we you just never know how those moments will come about. So I've always wondered how do photojournalists prepare themselves when they go to cover something like that that's so fluid and so volatile. Yeah, uh, you know, this is not a, it's not a common, common thing for me to cover as well as our staff. It's, it's not uh, every day we have unrest in St. Louis. And so it's, a, it's, you know, it's a different animal for, for some of us. Uh, there are a couple people on staff that have been to, you know, active war zones. They've been embedded with the military. They, they have, you know, a little bit of training with, you know, wearing protective gear. I, I'm not one of those people. But um, so, you know, the when we were out on a situation like that, I mean, you prepare, you know, A, you want to be safe, uh, B, you want to tell the most accurate, most truthful story you can, and uh, three, you want to hit deadline. You don't want to miss deadline. And uh, so, so it, uh, it's, it's, a very, it's a very fluid situation where you're, you know, you're watching, you know, sometimes you're watching your back. Uh, some, a lot of times you're watching your watch because you kind of know that, the paper needs to be fed, social media needs to be fed, and, uh, and yeah, you come out of a, a story like that that goes on for weeks and months, and uh, what you really want is some sleep in the end. <laughs> you are human. <laughs> yeah. When it comes down to it, I'm curious yeah. in that situation, uh, just sticking with uh, the Ferguson coverage, um, in that situation, at your job as a photojournalist, are you literally there to point and click, or are you expected to be tweeting live, getting photos up through that way, or are you literally just doing it to load up, to get those 
photos and moments over to be, whether it's on stltoday.com or printed in the actual paper, what is your actual assignment while running around, and again, in a situation that none of you are familiar with? Right. It, so, so, I mean, our primary primary objective is is to sell, tell the story as accurately as we can, and and uh, use the tools we have uh, to get to get those images and that story to as many people as possible. So, um, you know, different members of our staff are better with technology than I am, and so. Uh, David Carson, for instance, one of my colleagues, he would do a lot more of uh, live tweeting. At that time, they were doing uh, Vine video, and so he would do a lot more live on the scene. Um, in my case, I would uh, generally, uh, you know, gather images, and when there was a I want to say a break in the action, that's not the right word, but, but when, you know, things quieted down a little bit, and I'm watching my watch, then it's time to send pictures. And as I send pictures, I'm also tweeting pictures. And, you know, my objective through social media is to get people to our site and mm -hmm. to look at, you know, what we have to offer, especially on this story, because, you know. Meant a lot uh, for, to a lot of people. It did. It did. And so, you know, it's our job. It's our duty to bring as much as we can to the table. Completely makes sense. Robert, I, I, I find it I, I, that your job is to just take the pictures, but I'm curious uh, because we see it in today's landscape, people always have comments and always have something to say about coverage. How often do you hear it? And you don't even use words. Just how often do you hear feedback from your the readership of work and, and do they often critique you almost in the same manner as, as, as written journalists? I don't think, um, I don't think we necessarily get as much email as written journalists. Uh, okay. But I, cer I certainly get a lot of comments through my Twitter feed when I put stuff up. Um, and I get some email. Uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time on Facebook, so I know there's stuff going down on Facebook, but that's that's not, <laughs> not where I spend my time. I mean, it's, a smart man. I mean, they tell us, you know, they, they tell us as journalists, you know, the, some of the worst things to do is to read the comments. And, um, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time there, but I but I am slightly addicted to Twitter, so I, I, I <laughs> you and Travis could have, you could do a show together. Yeah, you yeah. guys could just talk about how important Twitter is to your life. Yeah, so I, I you know I think you know if somebody takes a shot at me on Twitter and and I can refute it, I'm 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 going to refute it. And Look I'm, at Robert. And I'm, nice. gonna, I'm also going to defend you know defend the newspaper also. So it you know mm. when, you know we don't uh, always get everything right, but we you know. We sure try hard as hell to get, get it right. I love, I love that. And we have a good relationship with several of the sports writers, uh, Derek Gould, Ben Fredrickson, Ben Hockman. So there's a healthy amount of, uh, we, we're an entertainment show. We have a lot of comics on. We host a roast show even. Travis um, made one of your bosses really happy one time. <laughs> making. <laughs> so this is just playing to it. Travis, this is a great story, and you know it is. Uh, <laughs> very, to us, very obviously being silly, mocking our friend Ben Fredrickson, who we also call a hillbilly, and many different horrible things that he deserves mm. on most occasions. <laughs> uh, Travis, <laughs> Travis tweeted something about, okay, slideshow journalist. <laughs> 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 and before Ben could even respond, 
Um, who was the responder? Oh, it's Ro- Roger. Roger was, Hensley. Yeah. He was sticking up this, for, see, for I want, this yeah. Travis is my guy. Travis ain't stepping up for me like this. Roger Hensley shoots in to save the day <laughs> to tell Travis to stand down without realizing it was a joke between the two. But it just showed, like, hey, you've got your guard up. Don't mess with the paper. <laughs> it supposed to dispatch. Travis, would you like to apologize again directly to the paper? <laughs> I like to apologize to absolutely no one. Oh, come on! <laughs> Perfect. Well, Ben Fred will tell you, each one of those slides is a click. So. It is a click. Play the game, man. That's we right. all know how this works. Play the game. Uh, if you Robert, just I, Robert, I am curious, though. What, for you, what was the photo uh, that put it on your heart to pursue photojournalism? What was it for you that said... I wanted to get behind the lens. Is there a particular picture or a moment that you can recall early on in your career or before you even started your career where you realize, okay, hey, this is what I want to do? Yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's always been about meeting people and, 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 uh, and telling their stories. I mean, you, you get in, I meet people I don't know every single day and, and, uh, and they open their doors, they're willing to share their story. And, and I think that's just valuable to everybody. And then I, you know, I certainly saw that in my early days of college and, and, and working for the uh, school newspaper. And, and that, was, uh, that was a big thing. That's what gets me hooked, at least, is just, is just helping to tell these stories. Yeah, because, it, because Robert, like, on a daily basis, like, Ferguson is going to be a big topic, especially with a anniversary coming up. And everything that you guys had done, the Post Dispatch wins a Pulitzer Prize for breaking news and photography for that. Also, want to mention if you want to see some of those photos and others, there's a big uh, exhibit coming to town this weekend. It's opening up at the Missouri History Museum. It's brought to you by Newseum, I believe, uh, where it's Pulitzer Prize winning photography. So I want to make sure we mention that. That's coming to town. You can see some of these photos and a lot of others as well. But on a daily basis, I mean, you're, th- this was a big story. This was a big national story, so there's a lot of focus there. But you're a community photographer. You're around telling – it's not one – you're not sent to a sport event, a sporting event every day necessarily, or this every day necessarily. It's whatever there might be. Yeah. So how does that go for you, like, preparing for any particular day? Because – and you talked about meeting people. There's one photo from last year that stuck out to me that I thought was – that you took that was my favorite photo from last year and it's this one right here it's bathrobe snow shovel guy was this in webster is that where it was yeah this is like a mile from my house and so um i don't look at many stories with like i don't don't come into a whole lot of stories with like preconceptions yeah and and things like that I you know, try to be ob- as objective as possible but quite honestly I cannot stand snow I cannot stand being cold <laughs> and so hey, mo- man. most hey, of man. where did you grow up uh, New Orleans yeah I grew up in New Orleans we no. get to the root of that yeah. <laughs> is, we are what we, what we he is who he is I get it yeah I remember 1972 we had a my, my parents were at the in the Bahamas and we were left at home and uh, it snowed and we told them it snowed and they said no, it didn't. <laughs> huge. Go borrow some whiskey from the neighbors. Yeah. This is the 70s. We don't yeah. care. It was huge news down there. So, so anyhow, what I'm getting to is, is I, I'm not the guy who's going to be shooting pictures of 
kids sledding in Art Hill. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll it, find joy <laughs> in other places. Yeah, yeah, it, it's not going to be Winston. So I, I'm leaving the house and just, you know, it's, I'm on the early shift and it's just, you know, it's time to get a picture and get it in because it was a pretty, you know, you know, four or five inches overnight. And so it was something. And, and I'm coming down the hill and I'm seeing this guy and he sees me and I pull over and whenever possible, I'm always going to ask permission to photograph people. Now, during breaking news events, we're not chatting all that much sometimes, but something like this, you know, it's, it's his moment and he comes out in his bathrobe and he's shoveling and I, I got to at least ask him if it's okay to take a picture. <laughs> and so I went over to him, introduced myself, said, Hey, I just live, live up the road, which is right less than a mile away. And, uh, okay if I take a picture of you shoveling and he kind of looks down at what he's wearing and looks at me and he said go for it (laughs) (laughs) and so so literally I mean I was I was on duty maybe a half hour before I I shot this and uh you know he he was fortunate enough he said yes I I look at a picture like this and it, it to me I try to think of a backstory and it's a guy who wakes up that morning angry at the snow just because he, mm. he just throws the robe on and that's it. I'm going out there uh, and sk- taking care of this. You skipped an important step. What's that? He was prompted by uh, someone in his bed with him. <laughs> this, this isn't self-motivated. This is, a, this is a wife saying, get your ass Fine. outside. <laughs> right I'm now. not getting dressed, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't give a damn. Just get it. I was going to relax today. That's right. Yeah. He, that's right. I just see that on the face and in the outfit, and that's the backstory that hits No, me. I, I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, quick kind of random question as I just took a photo of you in the studio. Is the iPhone and other modern phones with the uh, camera technology good or bad to you as a professional photojournalist? Do you appreciate that everyone can take high-quality photos like this, or does it kind of you kind of look down at that and say, "Is still a giant difference between what I do and what people can do with their phones?" Well, everybody's a photographer now, so that's the problem. Yeah, slash good. I think it's yeah. good. To, it's good for oversight because all of a sudden you decide to do something nasty on the side of a public street, you could be there could be repercussions because somebody just whip out their phone. Absolutely. I mean, for phones, for video, uh, I mean, for photos or for video, I mean, super valuable. Absolutely. I mean, it, it helps, it helps the journalism also. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I occasionally will take a picture with a, with an iPhone. I'll sometimes do a pano, the, the panorama feature. And, um, you know, we've published some of that stuff in the past, but, uh, I don't pay that close attention to it. Right. You know, it's there. Uh, I don't, my, my, uh, my phone does not have a super high res cam- uh, resolution lens. And so. What do you typically shoot with uh, for the post-dispatch? Like the, uh, some of the photos that you've taken this and were not uh, necessarily uh, filmed. I, I do like hearing this though, but what, uh, what kind of camera lens, all that? Yeah, do you, we, do use, you use? we use Canon gear at the, at the office. And mm-hmm. so, you know, all of our Canon equipment, it's supplied by the newspaper. And uh, then we have like a closet, which has our, what we call our pool lenses. And, you know, those are our, our big lenses we use for baseball, for hockey, and uh, highly expensive lenses. So we don't have like one for everybody. So we all share those. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, my, my typical day, I'm carrying around two camera bodies and a lens on each. And that's about it. That's so, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just got to be mobile. Robert, is there a particular photo that you've taken that still sits with you? I know a lot of print journalists, they talk about the stories that they cover. There's always that one story that they still remember that for whatever reason uh, stays with them. Is there a particular photo that you've taken that still 
you know, kind of gets to you personally or on an emotional level, a little bit more of a personal level? Yeah, there's probably there's probably several. Um, you know, Ferguson stuff was was definitely a story that will stay with me forever. Um, we did some work uh, several years ago about uh, questionable deaths in nursing homes, and oh. as <clears throat> part part of that story, I uh, did a sidebar piece on a family coping with having to make a decision to put a uh, a loved one in a nursing home, and watched. <clears throat> She had Alzheimer's disease and she also had Parkinson's and kind of watched that process as uh, her husband cared for her at home in bed and eventually had to make the decision to put her into a nursing home. And so those, those kind of things stick with me. Um, a few years back, I did a story about the suburban homelessness uh, and it was a story about uh, families in St. Charles County living in motels. And you know, it was a little surprising for people because you don't really think of St. Charles County having a whole lot of homeless mm -hmm. folks there and there are hundreds and uh, wow. and so those you know do you connect with people like that I mean do, yeah and not to call you a mercenary or anything yeah. but you would think I think some of us maybe including me think you're out there taking pictures and you're maybe like hey hey is it cool if I take a picture you personally connect with your subject absolutely yeah yeah I mean stories like that stories like you know basically asking people to open their lives and let me watch them live in a motel uh, when they have nowhere else to go. Yeah, that, that takes a lot of legwork and it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of being around. It takes right. a lot of, uh, you gain that trust when you just kind of keep showing up. In the age of objectivity, how much sympathy are you allowed, if you will, to offer? I would imagine that there may be some form of restrictions, so to speak, maybe at the post as far as how one can get so deep or connected to a story. Do you have a your own personal motto in your head when you go cover a story about how connected you're going to be to the subject? I, I think, I mean, you have to, you have to keep some distance, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, in a story like homeless, homelessness, you know, I'm, I'm not at liberty to, to help people at all. I'm just there to tell their story. But at the same time, um, you know, you get to know people and that, that kind of sticks with you. So yeah, you're, you're there to be as objective and as fair to the story as you can. And, and if there's another side of the story, it's your, it's your duty to find that. Um, uh, you know, if, if somebody is homeless for a variety of reasons, it's, it's important to me to f try to find those variety of reasons, you know, could alcohol be involved? Could drugs be involved? Uh, mm. Is it just simply a lot of bad luck? Uh, it's important to, to show all of that as much as you can be as complete. Very interesting. Do you have a particular um, reporter or, I guess, teammate at the Post-Dispatch that you work with? Or is it like that? Is it just kind of you shoot, it goes wherever? <laughs> Do you like teaming up with certain writers or, uh, or reporters for the paper? Yeah, it depends on the story. Sometimes we work, um, I'd say most of the time we work independently. Yeah. Uh, reporter will have a story or I'll have a story that I want to bring a reporter into. And, um, and we talk and we try to figure out kind of the best situations we can do. And, and we go out and cover it. Sometimes we're together, sometimes we're not. Um, a decent example is... Um, Last year and part of this year, we spent, we took a really deep dive into vacant buildings in St. Louis and what's going on, what's not going on. And so, you know, part of that story was um, 
hopping in and trying to find people that were actually living in vacant buildings. Did you find And it? so, yeah, we found quite a few. Yeah. And so on a story like that, I mean, there is that safety factor because you're going into, A, you're going into buildings where um, they're falling apart brick, wow. brick by brick. Yeah. And, uh, and also, uh, you're not exactly sure who you're running into in terms of people. So Jesse Bogan and I, Jesse, one of our reporters, you know, we, we work together on that story quite a bit, we, and, and together being, like, there at the same time. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, for the, for the storytelling, but also for the safety factor. Uh, typically, in an abandoned building, are you, are people, do you find, I lived downtown for a couple of years, and the Larry Rice Center was there, and it really changed my perspective on how we treat the homeless. The majority of folks I found to very obviously have mental illness in these situations, are you typically running into somebody who's potentially schizophrenic, potentially um, severe bipolar? I mean, not that you're even qualified to diagnose that, but is there an obvious type of person or that's afflicted, or is it just people down on their luck and that's where they're at? Yeah. Who do you typically run into? Most, most people we run into, especially on this story, were, uh, had mental health issues. Yeah. Some substance abuse issues also, but could coincide as well. Yeah, yeah. And almost everybody had some mental health issues going on. I mean, if you look at some of these, um, yeah, if you look at some of these images and you look at some of these living situations, I mean. Which is not logical. Yeah, who, yeah, who would choose to go into a bill? I mean, this, these are buildings. Scary. That, yeah, these are buildings that you pass on the street that are absolutely crumbling brick by brick and you just pass them on the street and you just pass them. Maybe you'd look at them. Maybe you'd say, oh, that's too bad. But you'd never think somebody lives inside of that. Right. And, and we've all, Travis, we've talked about this. We've all been guilty of the, you know, as a teenager, or even just as a person, you're like, well, if I was homeless, I'd go to this gym and take a shower there and I'd sleep there. It's like, well, you're thinking like somebody who would probably never be homeless also in many situations. So I think it's important for people like you to document this and to I mean, maybe it pushes something along that uh, eventually leads to some help for them. You know what I mean, Travis? Yeah, my, that was, I guess my follow-up question or my next question, I, I'm curious as far as uh, uh, what, for photojournalists, what's considered the, the, the pinnacle as far as photos? What's the photo that every photojournalist can agree on is uh, just considered like a work of art or something that it's held in high regard? Wow. Um, different photos speak to different photojournalists in different ways. Um, you know, that we've, we've got, uh, you know, s some people might consider the Blues winning the Stanley Cup as being like the pinnacle that they've ever photographed just because it's never happened before. Um, mm. But I, I can't really point to any one particular picture, but, <laughs> but uh, different, different images just strike people different ways. And, and you know, if you, ask, uh, if you ask a group of photojournalists what's the you know, most significant picture they've ever photographed, you're, you're not going to find a whole lot of commonality because they're different, just different issues <clears throat> that strike people differently. You um, mentioned the Stanley Cup there, and we have the picture up of uh, Craig Berube, the Blues head coach, as he's in his hometown bringing that back. What was that yeah. trip like? Because it's not a normal story for an NHL head coach with Berube. I, were you with Jim Thomas with this? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, it was, it was a great story and just kind of um, came out of nowhere. I mean, we... Uh, Jim was going, and at the last minute, um, we got approval to send a photographer. And so 
I went up there, and it was literally, you're going up, and all you know is you have, you have the coach's stamp of approval that the coach said, yeah, you can hang out with me that day in Callahoo. And so we go up there blind, uh, not really knowing anybody, any situations, and uh, it was an amazing day with the coach because, uh, you know, different, different people, different athletes, different coaches are going to be, uh, some are going to be comfortable with the photojournalists hanging around and some are not. I spent 17 hours with Coach Berube and mm -hmm. he didn't say a word to me the entire time and I didn't say a word to him the entire time. He just let <laughs> me work. He just <laughs> let me be there. Now be honest, you saw a bunch of his old fight clips on YouTube and you didn't <laughs> want to mess with him. <laughs> That's a rabbit hole that you're like, I think he'd still mess most people up, man. I think he might. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> But he was great, and it's like he just he just let us do our thing, and then um, we were on the family farm until about midnight, and just just watched the cup go place to place, through town and in the little uh, in the little ice hockey rink, and it, it was amazing. It was amazing. What was it like, like learning about his backstory though? Because some of that in the town where he is, as you know, JT told the story in the post, and yeah. you provided the photography alongside it. That's it's something different. Yeah. That I think that at least grab me just because that's what something along those lines grabs me. Yeah. Is because of his upbringing. It, it, yeah. Just cause it's the like, first nation okay, inclusion. I don't know about this. Mm -hmm. Even the educate term, me. Did right. you Travis speak up on this and Gardner, I'm not trying to interrupt you here, but did you guys know the term first nation? That's, I had heard it, but I, I didn't know. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't what either. It was. It's, it's native Americans. Mm -hmm. uh, our version of native in Canada. Right. They, right. they just, they're referred to as first nation. So I just, I just, whenever something <clears> new, is there, mm -hmm. I'm that type of person that, okay, mm -hmm. I don't know anything about this. I'm ignorant. Yeah. I want to learn. Right. And that's, that's how I felt. As soon as I landed, I, I, I got in the night before um, he had the cup. And so I landed and I literally, cause, cause I landed in Edmonton and, and, uh, and Callahoo's about 40 miles or so out and I just hopped in the rental car mm -hmm. and I drove to Callahoo because mm -hmm. I, I wasn't doing the story till the next day but I had to I had to get the lay of the land and yeah. I had to meet some people and so uh went to the Callahoo general store and just <laughs> hung out with the guy there that's crazy and there was like next to nobody there I mean he may have had two or three customers come in the whole time I was there and some of those were his cousins and uh <laughs> and it was great just sitting back and you know tell me about this town tell yeah me, you know what do you know about coach tell me about this town and it really helped for the next day because I just had my feet wet just a little bit. Now, you know, yeah. from New Orleans and you're learning about this, uh, you know, that town through the Stanley Cup. I'm sure you already knew about toasted raviolis and such when you got to photograph Pat Maroon at Charlie Gito's downtown. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty fun. I actually I photographed him uh, earlier at uh, All-American Skate Rink, I believe it's called, down mm -hmm. down um, off Lindbergh. And uh, that was his only public event that day. And so we were just going to cover that one little thing. And uh, I talked to the, with the blues guy right before this ended. And the blues guy said, uh, uh, Pat said it'd be all right if you, if you come to the next event. And uh, I, said, I said, okay. I, I, um, I didn't have a whole lot of time because I had to go check out a double homicide scene. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so... I got that I got that call while while I was at the uh, the skate rink, and so I said, well, let me let me just drop in and and I dropped in and you know there's so many people at Charlie Gito's it was just packed I could barely get in the door, 
and uh, first thing he wanted to do was pack up the T-Ravs, and, and it was right it was amazing. <laughs> and so, quite how do we feel about the marinara on top, though? Are we okay with that? I, I'm fine with it. Okay, you know, I, right. I don't, you know. I think there was poor planning on Charlie Gito's yeah. part. They should have had a small ramekin that looked like a smaller version of the cup to the side. But I mean, hey, to each their own. I've, I've heard yeah. you're, you're not the first person that said that. Okay. I've, I've heard that. <laughs> right. Read reader comments. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. You just compared me to Shirley in Winsville? Damn it. No, there were some issues with that. But uh, <laughs> people get real serious about it, don't yeah. they? Yeah. But no joke. I mean, I, I shot that picture of uh, the toasted ravioli. I was like, I think I'm done, and <laughs> and literally went straight to the double homicide. How do you after transition that? Oh, that? Like, is it a tough transition, or is it? You have an iron stomach. Because I point. we I've asked this before to like some like uh, TV reporters that we've had it, like Chris Davis, Alexis Zotos, like because they could end up on a day mm. where they're covering flooding. Which you've you've covered flooding sure, yourself. Sure. This is a picture here in Clarksville, um, and you're cover or you're covering Stinger's resignation. So you got flooding, Stinger resignation, uh, Blues advancing through the playoffs all on the same day. Is that difficult mentally to kind of transition back and forth, or it's not usually the same day, but okay. um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean every day really is different. Like I said, I meet different people every day, and so you know some stories are. You know, pretty heavy, and and then you can balance it with some T-Rabs the next day or something. You just, <laughs> you never know, and so that's that's part of what I, I mean, I've been doing this for 33 years, and I I think part of it is is that variety, just just kind of yeah ho- hooked on the variety. Right, right. Oh, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. Gardner, are there some photos we haven't got to yet? Yeah, I and here's, I'd love to just get some brief commentary on each I, one. I wanted to m- sure. mention this one because. I we showed bathrobes, no shovel guy, and I gave you what I thought the backstory was. I love when I see a photo that makes me want to know more if I don't know what the story's about at all. And there's one you have um, that I had heard the story, but when you sent me the photo, I'm like, well, what's this one? And then I realized what the story was. But it grabbed me to want to know more initially, and it's this one right here. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what's this about? Because you see the broken mirror there with the face in it and some tools and such and some empty shelves. And I'm like, what's, okay, what's going on here? That's what I really love that in a photo, especially for a photojournalism photo. It makes me want to know more about the story. So if you could yeah. tell us a little bit about this story of this photo. Yeah, so this is, this is just a, a picture on the uh, last day of work of uh, Giovanni uh, Locasio, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, but he runs, uh, or for 50 years, he ran uh, John's Shoe Repair down in Afton, and he was closing shop. I mean, the, sh- the shoe repair business is, you know, a, dis- a, a dying art, mm-hmm. and, you know, everybody buys the throwaway shoes. In fact, when I walked in with my uh, Asics on, he said, yeah, even you, you know. He's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but... Uh, so he he's hanging it up, and he uh, he just let us spend the last day with him, and and he was finishing up a couple of repairs, and then the uh, the guys from uh, We Buy Junk came in, and they took all of his equipment, all of his you know all the grinders, all the polishers, these massive machines that he's used since he moved in there, and uh, and you know eventually he he closed the door for the day, but. Uh, 
spend a lot of time doing exactly that, just kind of what you see in the picture. He's, you know, he's staring out the window, mm -hmm. and you just see, you see a few items left on the shelves. There's not a whole lot left. Uh, I don't know how the mirror cracked. I didn't ask him, but, uh, but you know, that's, you know, he's, he's hanging it up. He's, he's been at it for a very long time. And um, so that was Giovanni. And again, it's, it's one of those pictures. I had a, had a lot of comments about this story in terms of people really connected with this story and they really enjoyed it. And it's kind of an Americana. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tent to it. Yeah. I worked with it with Joe Holloman and, and, um, and the success of the visual part of the story is, is kind of like coach Baruby. He just let me hang out. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, okay, don't you have enough photos? I got something else to do. He just let me hang out. And that's, that's the magic I think of, of what photojournalists can do. Just the magic of time, just being able to, be in a spot for more than 30 minutes did you just happen to be here robert what are generally oh. the conversations when you hold on when you go when you do go out on these assignments with print journalists so what do you what are you guys generally talking about what are the things that how do you get on the same page i guess when you go cover a story like that yeah yeah a lot of times we're, we're working in advance we're talking in talking in the office a little bit about you know what we're going to do out there and uh you know, if, if it's breaking news, if it's spot news, and we all kind of arrive on the scene, then then not so much. Mm -hmm. But but uh, you know, for stories that we can plan out a little bit, we're we're talking beforehand, and then when we're when we're actually at the assignment, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of aware when when uh, the the print journalist is is trying to you know dive in with with uh, you know get some good deep uh, quotes and. And when he sees me trying to get a picture, he or she, you know, they'll they'll back out of the situation also. And so we we kind of mm. we kind of go back and forth. But but uh, more often than not, we're actually working separately. Uh, he or she will be there sometime, and then I'll I'll call the story subject and try to figure out the best time for me to be there and and uh, gotcha. go separately. We work more separately than anything else. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, another photo here. Where you did you just happen to be on the spot for this one? Yeah, this was this was a gamble. Um, I like gambles, cause you, you, just, you know. So I'm on the night shift. This I think this one's two or three years ago, uh, and this is the um, I think they call it the Burning Love Festival on Valentine's Day on Art Hill or something close to that. Um, so it's on it's on Valentine's. It's in the evening. It's it's a big deal. Um, and that particular night, it got canceled because of uh, snow and ice, and people <laughs> couldn't get there, and so it got canceled. But I'm on the night shift anyway, and I just got this feeling, you know, people are going to go to this big Valentine's music festival, and and uh, and maybe there'll be a proposal. And so I'm hanging out by the. That's by a veteran the, thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just. You just Again, I have time. There's nothing else going on that night. The festival got canceled, but I'm like, I'm going to hang here anyway because I, I just have a feeling. And, mm -hmm. and I saw two proposals that night, and <laughs> I missed the first one entirely. I'd gone to get a drink of water like an idiot. How dare you? I know. <laughs> um, but then I caught the second one, and so I was, you know, it was I nice. Need to, I need to nice check to the caption on this one. For some reason, I think I know the guy in this photo for Ooh, some reason. Cool. I need to see if his name is Charlie by any chance. Mm. Um, so I'll have to go back and check the caption. Because if it is the person I'm thinking of, that person has a, another backstory on top of that story. Ah. That I think he, he has, has another wife. 
No, no, no. It's not the 70s no. anymore. That doesn't happen. No. You can't have separate families no. now. No, People find my out. My fault. Facebook will tell on you. Yes, that's, they will. That's a thing. Are, are weather events a big part of what you do? Because I, I look at some of the photos we see, uh, you know, the snow shoveling, uh, the, yeah. the flooding. And then, of course, recently there was the tornado in Jefferson City. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of weather in this town. Yeah. And, and not enough of it is good. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. Uh. What an outstanding photo that is. Yeah. That is an outstanding photo. Yeah, it's just, What's wrong you know. With that girl's head. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I mean, it just, it just speaks to resilience of kids. And, you know, it, it, Great point. It, this, this apartment, the, A, the most amazing thing about tornado that came through Jefferson City was that nobody got killed. Mm -hmm. The destruction yeah. was pretty, pretty stark. I, I've covered, mm. I covered the Joplin tornado, 161 people dead. And in Jefferson City, 20 people got injured. None of the injuries were serious. And, and that's the most shocking thing to me that whole time. But, but you know, the, these people, they're clearing out their apartment because it's damaged. They can't live there anymore. And for, for the little girl, I mean, she just wants her toys. And so grandpa's there helping get the toys out. Mom's there helping get the toys out. And she's kind of oblivious to everything around her. And so that's what attracts to me to attracts me to the photo. This is my first time seeing this photo. This is an amazing photo, Robert. Outstanding. Thanks. Thanks. It's, you know, it was, you know, little gift every so often, you know. And, and again, it's, it's more about just having time to hang out in places and, and mm -hmm. just look beyond the obvious. And so... Do you know when, as soon as you click that button, you're like, winner? Or is it, do you, is it more you get back and you're like, I thought there was something there? I think, I think things like that, in terms of the unique level of that, I think I kind of, you know, when I see the toys going into the, into the pickup truck, I'm like, okay, this is, this is different. Um, and so, so, yeah, I think sometimes you kind of you know that it's at least different. Did you know when you took this one? Yeah. Um, back to the iconic Ferguson photo. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's a really long story backstory on that photo, but but in terms of when I shot the photo, um, a I missed deadline, um, but that was just life. Yeah. Um, but when I when I shot the photo, the whole thing was about. You know, this is the third night of protest, and. It appeared to be the first night where it was going to end peacefully, that there wasn't going to be tear gas. Mm -hmm. And things changed very, very late when a group of people moved from one place to another place, and the police decided they were going to clear them out. And so all I saw was the volley of tear gas hit the ground and some guy pick it up and throw it back. And right after that happens, um, I'm just kind of heading to my car to transmit that picture because in my brain, the story of the night has changed. It's, it's not a peaceful ending, right. which is what we were writing about or what it looked like we were writing about. It was another violent end. So when I, when I shot the picture, I'd, I didn't see Ed's shirt. I didn't see his dreadlocks. I didn't see his, his bag of chips. I didn't see any of that. It wasn't until I actually saw it on the screen when I was editing. It's like, okay, this is different. Kind of like, you know, kind of ah. like, like the ball with the kid. Mm -hmm. This is different. I haven't seen this before. And, and really the only reason I'm shooting it to begin with is because it's, it's um, 
you know, it's action happening right in front of right, me. Right, right, right. But again, I didn't see any of the little nuances there. So until these are like gifts. Yeah, they are kind of like gifts. I mean, yeah. really, for what you do. And yeah. then on top of that, so you have the, the most iconic, noticeable thing ever in the American flag. But then also, as people were super attracted to fireworks or fire-looking yeah. things. So in this photo that you snag, you have all these intricacies around this giant, um, crazy event that's happening that you're a part of. So, yeah. Yeah, wow, it was, it was. I remember when that photo. I remember when that photo hit Twitter. Yeah. Oh yeah. The reaction, <laughs> like it was such a. It was. I remember all happening in real time. And same. It, it was the closest I think you can get to social media being speechless, because it was such a photo in the moment, and because the conversation was already going on. We we again, as I pointed out, that was the third day of things, so everything was at a at a fever pitch. And on social media, the conversation was just all over the place. And then that photo gets dropped. And it's just the reverb. I had never seen anything like it, especially in regards to social media. And just it just hit so many people at the same time. And it was, and I know, Robert, you've heard everything in regards to every type of compliment in regards to that photo. But I truly believe it will go down as one of the most seminal photos 50 years. It was just in that moment, especially for social media, it was the first time where I felt like the conversation became speechless and that photo encapsulated the moment better than anything I have ever seen. So I, I think you're going to be, <laughs> I think kids are going to talk about your work for years to come because in that moment, you capture something that even for the new medium that was social media that hadn't been seen before. Yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. I mean, for me, it was, it was, you know, it was a nice gift. It was, it was, it was an important photo. It was something I hadn't seen. And, you know, I, I, I sent it to the paper. My uh, director of photography at the time picked it up and immediately tweeted it. I tweeted it about 20 minutes later. And quite honestly, I mean, I was happy to have shot the photo, but I was also really tired like all of our staff was mm -hmm. and I, I went home and i went to bed about two in the morning and which was kind of normal and uh it's funny it, uh those of us on staff that have families and kids uh mm. the way the ferguson coverage went those of us who were working at nights and out on the streets at night if you didn't see your kids in the morning you didn't see them at all because mm. um you know wake up get them to school or at least uh have breakfast with them real quick and and by the time they're home from school you're gone and so and so the only time to really see kids was in the morning and and so i remember you know just doing that routine even though i mean ferguson was only four days old at that point kind of had a routine uh and they went off to school and finally the house was quiet and i and for the first time i opened up and had a look at twitter and i, I just couldn't believe it and not only were the comments there, just, you know, thousands and thousands of new followers and the comments, but what really struck me, and, and um, you know, sadly, Skeeter's not with us anymore, but he would, he would tell the same story. What, what struck both of us was that people needed to replicate that picture. People needed to draw it, paint it, mm -hmm. uh, get a mm. T-shirts pretty quick, wasn't it? It was in T-shirts. I, I, I was at the Mike Brown Memorial um, 
within 36 hours later, I was at the Mike Brown Memorial just, just being there, and somebody walked by with a T-shirt. It's the first time I'd seen it. And like it was nothing. Yeah, wow. yeah. And within a day or so, people were selling them, right? They, they had all different kind of T-shirts, and they were selling them on West Florissant <laughs> Avenue. It was just commerce. But it was just amazing to me how many people needed, whether they're trying to make money off of it or whatever, m most of the people just they needed to paint it. They needed to paint it, mm. and, and they needed to send it to Skeeto or send it to me. They needed to get a tattoo. They just they needed to do something with it. Uh, it was on the side of a building in Cambridge, Massachusetts, within just like yeah. a couple of weeks. It was it was in Travis. You said the Twitter part of it. I was watching that live as I'm sitting downtown. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. But the the people noticing the Red Hot Ripplets bag. That, I think that sparked so much more interest in St. Louis. And then, yeah, I hope I'm it, not speaking... It localizes the Oh, story. my gosh. And then, I hope we can all laugh about this. I think it adds to it of the realness of, like, people do things differently. His Twitter handle was the most hilarious thing you could have possibly thought of. Yeah. And I don't exactly... It was something around uh, stuff being wet. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was that added to the, like... The entire moment, mm -hmm. I felt like those well, are two things I'll never forget as being part of this and watching it literally like explode on Twitter. Yeah. Well, in a short time, too, it, to me, it's amazing how a photo like that can become haunting, too, because yeah. we talk about and Travis, you mentioned it, getting that in the moment. Robert, you're talking about shooting breaking news, getting it in the moment. But in a short time, we're coming up on the five year anniversary of the Ferguson unrest. But in a short time. The man, the gentleman in that photo, Edward Crawford, is no longer with us. A, a guy who was caught in a moment like that, a young man, is no longer with us. So how does, how does that photo, does it mean something different to you now than it did several years mm. ago, I guess, Robert? It's just because we know more about what happened with, with Edward. <laughs> would, would you, Skeet, is that what his nickname yeah, was? Yeah, uh, Skeeter was his nickname. And... Um, yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, the, the show's coming up at the History Museum, and um, had he been here, he would have he loved seeing his picture up on the wall. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, he, he, for better or for worse, he became an instant celebrity over this, and, and uh, I think he had a hard time with that. At oh, the did you get to know him? I got to know him a little bit. Right. I wouldn't say we were really close. We had lunch together every so often, and, and, wow. and we, we... Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, we talk every so often. Most most we just text and back and forth. But he was a really good guy. And um, but I also think when he got thrust into this just because of the photo, um, he was considered by the public to be like a frontline protester leader. And he wasn't right. that, he wasn't that at all. Mm -hmm. He was you know he was out like at his first or second protest, and he was he was he mostly watched from the sidelines. He didn't do a whole lot of of you know frontline chanting or leading the crowd you never saw him with you know a bullhorn or anything like that um and so i, I think you know when everybody wanted his opinion right off the bat yeah about you know mm -hmm. what happens with the movement and the leadership and that's that just wasn't him right yeah and we shouldn't that's expect people to always have to be that either that's no. a huge thing yeah and well that, i mean like the photo there that's thrown his direction. I want to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's what I was trying to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's, right. that's all he did. <laughs> that's then, all he did. Right. Someone that does what you do, and again, I'm not trying to overhype this, but you have a Pulitzer now, like the Post-Dispatch, the Pul all that. This is these are huge deals, as we talked about before the show. That's as as big of a deal for uh, a journalist in the United States possible. 
it's got to be, I don't know, humbling. I don't even, I can't even find the right words to have a photo more or less in today's modern uh, world immortalized, but the subject is mortal, right? Like that yeah. has to be something that you deal with internally, or maybe you've just kind of like, yeah, that's part of the game. It, that has to be something that's, that's unique to your field. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this one obviously weighs on me like, like it would anybody. Yeah, but, sure. Um, uh, you know, I was, I was shocked when I heard in, in May of 2017, and, and, you know, when people talk about it now, I'm, I'm still kind of shocked. But, you know, I, I, knew, I knew him a little bit. Right. I don't think I knew him enough. Makes so, sense. yeah. With the, with the exhibit coming to the Missouri History Museum, we've shown, you know, a few photos that will end up there. Um, what is it? You've gotten a bit of a sneak peek to the yeah. Pulitzer Prize uh, photo exhibit that's coming Saturday, that right. opens Saturday. What should we keep our eyes out for? Yeah, this is going to be awesome, St. Louis. Um, this is, I've been to the museum. I've seen uh, the Pulitzer Prize gallery at the museum. The museum is a big place. It's like six stories tall and, mm -hmm. and, and artifacts from all different things in the news business. But the Pulitzer photo gallery is the place to be in the museum. I've been there at night when they're closing and they're trying to get 50 or 60 people out of the gallery. And, and so it's, it's the place to be. And so this traveling exhibit um, is done really well, and it's done very much the same way it's presented at the museum. You have 80 photographs on the walls, um, and then you can go to these electronic kiosks. And for instance, um, well, the easiest example is the Ferguson example. We have one photograph on the wall from, from the Pulitzer, and, but then you can go to these kiosks and you can see all the other photos uh, that were part of that prize um, because some, you know, in the Pulitzer Prizes, some of, some of the winners are single pictures. Some of mm -hmm. them are like multiple story uh, images. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so there's, 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 lots of, there's lots of depth there. So you can go to these kiosks and you can see the other images that were on a particular year. And in some cases, you can actually watch a film by one of the photographers, or not, a film of one of the photographers, you know, just kind of talking about what it was like. Um, so on top of just the Pulitzer photo exhibit, this is the first stop in the traveling exhibit that a museum has wanted to do a, uh, a local photojournalism um, second gallery. Mm -hmm. And so Pulitzer, um, I'm sorry, St. Louis Post-Dispatch photographs, I believe there's 79 of those, uh, are going oh, to wow. be dis are displayed there also, which is going to be you know, pretty cool to see. It's a lot of St. Louis history. It's a lot of things you, yeah. have, you haven't seen before. Um, a lot of high moments. There's, a, there's a different categories it's broken down into. Some of the pictures you'll be very familiar with, and a lot of them you've never seen before, guaranteed. Um, so it, that it's, sounds awesome. It's something to see. I'm going to try and get there this weekend. Have you, yeah. ever, uh, you ever had the privilege of, I don't know, snapping a photo, too, of the River to Pear underneath Forest right, Park in the Tunnel no, Town. I have a bit of a River to Pear fetish. Out of my life. And I'm trying to get into the tunnels under Forest Park, and I'm making some headway there. But I was just wondering if, by chance, you have been one of the few people that have gone down there to shoot them. take a picture of a producer Jesus that used no. to have a job? I can't say that I've done that. Okay. I, I, did, I did do the river to pair flooding down by Lime, if that helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, okay. is, this is the equivalent of me saying, like, you ever take a picture of, like, any 
Like hot chicks. Yeah. <laughs> you ever like get an alien? You ever got an alien? <laughs> okay, here's something. Two questions. I don't, you, you ever take a picture of a here. ghost accidentally? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a kind of a thing. Uh, and also, just I wanted to share oh. this with you in the now comments. Now let's get all our ridiculous ones let's out. Do. That we've let's do it. He's been wondering. He's like, when's the Bigfoot question <laughs> coming, <laughs> you turds? Obviously. Uh, just a few comments uh, from Rusty in the comments. Fantastic. Maybe my favorite severing I've ever watched on the show. So kudos to you. Dang. Uh, yeah, that beats out like Lou Ferrigno, Sinbad. There's some interesting people who've been on here. Lou the Ferrig- Hulk. The Hulk. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno telling me not to ride an electric scooter. He did. He did. And then you nice. wrecked days later. So nice. Listen to the Hulk, everybody. Nice. Uh, a couple things. Um, do you ever, when you're photographing this, so there's, um, it's not just St. Louis, but St. Louis, you're going to adapt to your geography, right? So everywhere now that there's Instagram, there will be attractive to semi-attractive girls getting tricked into going to take pictures with a guy with who just bought a camera who's a photographer who's going to do that. Do you ever run into that while in these abandoned buildings? Like kind of an awkward setup. It's like, I don't know if I need to be here. That and then Urbex Explorers. There are people that literally go through tours of these old buildings. Uh, and I was curious as well, if they're not people that are living there, if you're there on assignment and you just see some people just exploring, if you're ever just kind of, why are you, what are you doing here? Yeah, I've, I've seen that actually while we were working on this story. I, I saw some explorers uh, uh, checking out an old church yeah. off of uh, Jefferson. I that think there are people that just like to get high away from their family or something, I, right? Some yeah. of that's true. Yeah, but, there, but there's also like these, there's like a lot of urban photographers out there just yeah. like just like to just like to document the urban decay. Which is and cool, too. It is interesting. I think yeah. it's really interesting. Um, but no, I mean, that's like, yeah, well, during that part of the story, I mean, we're just, we're, we're looking for... Specific. We, we heard there's, you know, we get a tip from uh, somebody like with Larry Rice's group, and they mm-hmm. give us a tip. You know, I help this person who's sometimes in this house, and uh, and we're just kind of going back. I mean, there was a there was a guy I was looking for in a, in a different church, I went, and it was not a safe place to be. Um, but I went in that place like 30 times because wow. I could not find this right. guy. And this is over like a month. I'm looking for this and guy. never found him. Never found him, but I found the second guy. Okay. <laughs> so Good work. Do you yeah. let people know that you're going to be there if it's something like that? Yeah, if I'm going to somewhere stupid like that, I'll, I'll call the officer, I'll text my boss and say, hey, I'm going into this address right now. Okay. You'll hear from me in 10 minutes. If you don't, gotcha. Yeah, I was so, wondering how that gotcha. works. Because <laughs> I'd like some help if I needed it. I was gonna say, yeah. have you ever, <laughs> have you ever been, uh, have you ever requested an accompaniment? I mean, would you do that, security or something? No. Um, I guess if you're we, not poking the bear, so to say, you're not gonna necessarily be a target in ninety-five percent. Yeah, of we we saw we saw some security folks with some of the. Um, National, national media in Ferguson. Did you look down on that, like posers? I, I just, I, I didn't feel it was necessary. I think if you get out, no matter what the story is, you get out and you talk to people, and you and they understand where you're coming from, then, you know, you're going to be okay. I mean, one of our, one of our photographers, David Carson, in the very early days, it was like the second day, I believe, uh, people saw him with a camera and they went after him and they got him and he swung his cameras to try to get out he got his you know he got roughed up a little bit and uh he his his jeans all tore up and and the guy who came to his aid to stop these guys was this on video i don't think so okay 
or if it is, I've never seen it. Uh, but the guy who came to his aid was a, a pastor that he had met earlier in the day. And this guy comes, this pastor comes running up. Yeah, exactly. This pastor comes running up. No, 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 no. This guy's, this, this guy's local post dispatch. He's, he's trying to cover our story. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's kind of the legwork. You get out and you talk to people and they get to know you, you get to know them. And, you know, now I can see, I can see some, you know, some, some of the national people, some of the, you know, especially some of the network people. I mean, yes, we're carrying valuable equipment they're carrying even more valuable equipment. And sure. so maybe from that end a little bit, I could see it, but I just didn't see much of a need. Did you know the layout of Ferguson? Yeah. That's, got there? Because yeah, that's, that's one thing that gets to me, and I know it gets to Travis too. Travis is, uh, you know, is from that area. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, And, cool. and uh, it's, it's that it's sold, uh, especially when it's sold a certain way that this is what Ferguson is, and I won't get political with it, but lots of people have sold it a certain way. Go drive through Ferguson. Oh. Go look at the houses. Like, you see those houses. You drop them in Webster and Kirkwood. You're praying, paying a pretty pin. Yep. Go go just drive through the, there. Have lunch at the brewery. Yes. <laughs> just, you have no idea what you're what you're talking about when right. you deliver it a certain way. Right. So was I was wondering if, if you yeah. were familiar with that layout before. Truly Ab on absolutely. the ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've done... You know, we've done countless stories in Ferguson. My first story ever in Ferguson was in 2010. I did a story about a first-time political candidate. She was just running for office. She'd never done it before, and we just followed her through her attempt to, to lend a council seat and, you know, going door-to-door -door knocking and, and uh, the long days of that. But just, just I got to know the town a lot because I just followed her so much. Right. And so that, you know, that was one story, but... But we were up there for several stories. Even some, even the simple, you know, the farmers market up there used to be yeah. such, such a big deal. It's a little bit smaller now, but it used to be such a big deal. And so, you know, we'd go to that just for feature stories, or you know, we were there a lot. Yeah. So, so when this, something like this happens, it's still our community. It's just uh, a little more difficult to cover. Right. Certainly is. Travis, you're in New York. You've got uh, last question, and we'll get Robert out of here and close up. Oh, wow. I get the last question for Robert. Oh. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I know far be it from you to think that you should get to go last, but uh, I'll, I'll toss you this one. We'll play. We'll act like you care um, about stuff like that. I have in my own right have recently become a celebrity. Dear God, cut his, cut his stream. Cut his stream. Robert, what advice you could give to Block me him on Twitter, Robert. as I continue to grow again? It, I don't have a Pulitzer yet. I think oh, I'll get boy. around to it at some you point here. You know us millennials. Um, but I'm just curious, does he have any advice for handling newfound celebrity? I, I, no. <laughs> I mean, I, hey, tell him, hey, here's, I, how you, here's how you deal with this. You go, I just don't see it in your future. <laughs> now, now, maybe you, maybe another person, maybe the gentleman to my left, that's me. You could say that. Also, I need you to tell Travis where... Um, where I won't, I won't get too specific, but where uh, maybe where a kid of yours would maybe be going to college? Are you willing to talk about that? Would you say sure. uh, where somebody's enrolling for fall? Yeah, this may not go over really well, but yeah, my son's going to KU in the fall. Oh God, yeah. Travis, you, are you still so trusting? Are you still so trusting? I don't, I don't want to speak to him anymore. Rock, can go. <laughs> Rock <laughs> Chalk Jayhawk. The, the, oh, no. The good thing about not being from St. Louis is I have no allegiance to the Mizzou thing or the KU thing. Mm -hmm. for That's me, it's fair. Just, it's just another campus. Oh, so I, 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 hey, don't, I don't sure care. Look, 
Robert, if you want to now, you could probably head up to Lawrence and yeah. photograph the Cathedral of College Basketball that is Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Okay. I am so, interested in seeing that. Yeah, and then maybe the FBI will be there investigating something. Ah, yeah. that'll, I'll maybe take care of itself. You can get that. Yeah. yeah. You want to stick them on? I've yeah. been there once. Okay. It's religious. It's religious. I but I, my, 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 my real final question, though, is... Yeah. Will you follow me on is Twitter? There an event, <laughs> is there an event or a person you would love to photograph? Wow. Um, no. Um, wow. I, 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 it's funny. I just, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, tomorrow, I don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, cause I'm, mm. I'm off today. I'm working tomorrow. And, uh, I t- man, it's, it's simple. I just like meeting people nope. and, and it doesn't have nice. to be anything and special. I'll, we should I'll all say take this. note from Ryan. That sounds like this a was... great answer. <laughs> <laughs> We'd all be like, well, that's... well, I mean, do I get to eat dinner with Larry David after I take a picture of him? <laughs> like this, like, that's the answer that us idiots would say. Or, or if you go to like um, five to 14 year old me, I'm like, well, Michael Jordan and I seem like we would get along really well. <laughs> so I'd take some pictures. No, that was a great answer. No, it's, it, I think you've reiterated something that someone, a former colleague of yours, has had told me in the past, and that's the late great Joe Strauss. Like I would say, "Hey, what are you writing about?" If we were going in the Cardinals clubhouse, he'd be like, "I don't know. I haven't talked to the people yet." So you don't get to decide what the story. The story kind of develops. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily every time. Sometimes you do have, "Hey, this happened. We need to ask about this." Right. But there are other times. A lot of times where that kind of comes to you, and that's what I continuously hear, like I would hear from Joe and others, and I hear from you, just even, even though it's not you know, print per se, it's the pictures of it, um, that that's something consistent. So that's, I think that grabs me still and kind of reinforces what Joe had told me in the past when he had his tape recorder and the TV guys would ask a question and he would turn off the tape recorder and then turn it back on mm. when someone else asked it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he was the and best. He, and he would, he would make it noticeable that he went and click it and then click it. That's again. hilarious. Oh, it was. That's you think hilarious. you could take Petty to a new level, Travis. That oh, was the best. That's yeah. Pretty, yeah, that's pretty epic. I didn't it just reinfor- that story. Yeah. funny. It just kind of reinforces what he had told me in yeah. the past. Uh, again, Robert, uh, he does work for the Post-Dispatch. Go see the Missouri History, Missouri History Museum display this weekend any more photos we need to see before we get out of here gardner i think we're good right we now. are we we're got good. a lot up there yeah twitter also, handle we'll tweet out all your information yeah too. yeah yeah so also uh before we cut off um on saturday when the show opens uh, i believe it's at two o'clock there's going to be a panel discussion of uh hopefully we're gonna have most of our staff there uh, so it's a post-dispatch photographer panel Wow. So oh. check that out. For that's like, at 2 o'clock? I think it's 2 to 3, yeah. That would be really interesting. Yeah, so check that oh, out. Oh, that's awesome. And, and that's, you know, ask anybody anything. So uh, we're going to have another oh, that's panel. that's pretty cool. We'll have another panel on the 21st, which is going to be strictly Ferguson-related. Mm-hmm. But, okay. um, but the one on Saturday is going to be just about what we do. Well, gosh, come back anytime. Absolute pleasure to speak cool. with you. Uh, Thanks Travis, for having me. we're going to get off of here. I have to uh, awkwardly proposition Robert for some free headshots before he leaves so this is gonna maybe take a turn for the worse i brought my iphone oh thank you yeah. i appreciate that nice uh gardner <laughs> quick uh thanks to the sponsors i'll say thanks to getaway carts right. customized golf carts right here in st louis you want to scoot around soulard st louis hills any of the neighborhoods in the greater st louis area you hit up getaway carts getawaycarts.com is the website 
hashtag customize without limits and make sure you let them know we are live sent you gardener you look uh you look poised what do you have continue with your sponsors oh please please i'll have something for the very end real quick i love it buzz's hawaiian grill you can see their uh food truck all throughout st louis fresh food for you and yours locally owned great hawaiian food in the st louis area obviously thanks to tech electronics for helping us build out our studio our friends at pet once st louis west as well as hillside animal hospital you can see dr ed in here tomorrow we're gonna have a special guest playing dogs on film with him and to all of our other wonderful sponsors, huge thanks to everybody for supporting. And if you enjoyed this with Robert, follow him on Twitter mm-hmm. as well as uh, share this. Tell people about this conversation. It's very enlightening and there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. One final thing. It's not my photo, but it was a photo taken of one of Robert Cohen's colleagues when he was younger. I just wanted to get his thoughts on this particular picture oh, of God. Ben Fredrickson. Oh, no. Ooh. Oh, no. That, what's he, what'd he do to those cats? Oh, that's really disturbing. Are they still here? <laughs> okay, Are disturbing. Here? Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Oh, all right. So I wanted to make sure you were aware of that uh, Now picture. I am. Yeah, and so next time you see Ben Fred? I'll look at him and hold it for a while. Yeah, and ask him about it. Yeah. And that way I can get a text from him asking me, what the hell are you doing, man? Nice. <laughs> Nice. I like that. that. Uh, For Travis in New York, for Gardner, for the great Robert Cohen from right here in St. Louis. Chris, it's We Are Live. We're back live tomorrow at 8 a.m. We'll see you then. Peace and love, everyone.